welcome to another episode of Mind Matters, Navigating Head Injuries and Concussions, everyone. My name is Kylie Como. I am the firm's treatment coordinator. My background is I'm a registered nurse specializing in neurological intensive care unit um, bedside nursing. And so today we're with our brain and concussion group attorney, Thomas. Establishing a clear link between the traumatic brain injury that happened in, you know, whatever crash and or incident and having subsequent movement disorders, that's crucial and it involves thorough medical documentation, expert testimony, eyewitness testimony, a deep understanding of how the law recognizes and compensates for these interconnected health issues. Now talking about movement disorders specifically, these are defined as abnormal, uncontrollable movements of the body that are characterized by either excessive activity, which is called hyperkinesia, or slowed hypokinesia, activity of the limbs, trunk, and or head. So you have excessive activity, hyperkinesia, slowed activity, hypokinesia. Traumatic brain injury can produce either type as well as movement abnormalities that might be difficult to categorize. Okay, so that's interesting. So let's get a little more specific. Tell me about some specific movement disorders. Yeah, the most common ones that are seen in TBI are tremor, dystonia, and Parkinson's disease, believe it or not. Okay, so what do you mean by tremors or dystonia? Right, yeah, tremor, you know, kind of has an association maybe with some of us of the older generation of those little creatures in the movie, uh, tremors. But uh, a tremor is a rhythmic oscillation of an extremity or the head, which can, one, either occur while the limb or head is not moving. It's called a resting tremor. Number two, while the body part is being used, like if you're eating or drinking, it's a kinetic, kinetic tremor. Or number three, while it's held in a certain position, you know, while your body's held in a certain position, that's what you call a postural tremor. Tremor is the most common post-traumatic movement disorder and usually only affects the upper extremities, so your arms. Um, it typically occurs following a motor vehicle accident where you have a rapid deceleration force. So, you know, sudden stop, you know, you're driving maybe a head-on collision, sudden stop, or, you know, you're running into the back of somebody. So in most of our cases, it would likely be a head-on collision. Mm -hmm. With these more severe TBI, tremor can first manifest as long as a month to a year wow. following head trauma. It can cause difficulty, obviously, eating, drinking, doing a lot of everyday things due to the shaking that happens in your body. All right, yeah, so that sounds pretty serious. So how do we go about treating this? Medication can help to improve it, and, and there's been some success with neurosurgical intervention that happens either by destroying uh, or through ablation or stimulating through deep brain stimulation or DBS certain brain structures through the precise stereotactic placement of electrodes. So actually placing you know, an electrode inside your brain to affect deep brain stimulation, which just sounds like something from the future. Yeah. Uh, it can be effective to an extent. Yeah, so that's interesting. I've actually um, taken care of many patients over the years that have had those same types of procedures that you're talking about. And, and you're right, it does look like something from the future. It's very, very intricate. Um, patients are very sick, um, but uh, it's just some, some fascinating technology that we have these days to take care of patients that are suffering from TBI. Have you, have you seen it actually be put in? in I have, yeah. Wow. What does yeah. that look like? Um, it's very detailed. It takes a lot of time. Um, there's a lot of work and preparation that goes involved, uh, go, goes along with that. Um, 
not just the surgeon, uh, but you know, nursing staff standing by. Um, I mean, respiratory therapy. A lot of times, um, these patients are uh, on ventilators or you know, really critically ill otherwise. Because as you mentioned, the brain controls everything, right? Yeah. And so, uh, when you've got that deep level brain injury, you're talking about some pretty massive uh, overall injuries to uh, the rest of the body. That probably well. involves a massive team in terms of Absolutely. medical professionals yeah. involved in that. Probably some highly trained people. Absolutely, and days, weeks uh, in the ICU, uh, wow. yeah, pretty pretty easily. Is there any information on like the success rates of these types of interventions? Yeah, so one long-term study of post-traumatic tremors reported that 65% of the patients had complete resolution or marked reduction of the tremor following the surgery. At the same time, for those folks, post-operation complications and adverse response rates kind of complicate that because those are showing up in 50 to 90 percent of the cases so it's really mixed um, you know it's kind of a coin flip on uh, you know if you're going to have something significant happen as a complication as a result of that from what one study tells us right now yeah yeah you're right i think a lot of that um takes a really patient person, uh, support people around that that person who suffered that injury. It's not just the care you get right away, but as you just mentioned, the recovery time it takes. Um, you really got to be in it for the long haul and you've got to be a strong type of person to get through that sort of thing. Yeah, I'm sure their families are probably in the same situation yeah. as they're by the bedside, so that's not just affecting this mm -hmm. person, it's also having a massive impact on the Absolutely. people around them. And matter of fact, most of their work comes in after the hospitalization because you know the hospital in the hospital, the nursing team, the, the doctors are taking care of that patient, but once that patient goes home or to rehab, that's where the family really has to step up because they're really the major support at that point. And you talk about rehab, it's like how long can that last? Oh, months, months. Yeah, and Would that's hard, say years hard work. in some instances. It could be. I mean there could be some permanent disability, absolutely. Um, but yes, yeah, certainly um, several weeks of intensive rehab inpatient and then you know outpatient rehab for you know many weeks to months of that, uh, if not into you know over a year of that sort of thing. Wow. And that's not just physical rehab. You're talking cognitive rehab, speech therapy. I mean, depending on the injury, you so, could head to toe. So when we talk about the impact of what a crash and what it takes from a person, that's really what we're looking to, to bring justice to the situation. It's like to have that taken from you as a human being your ability to function for months on end and just, mm -hmm. you know, the movement disorders that go along with it. That's, that's, uh, I mean, what would you give up, you know, what, right. or what would you accept to have that happen in your life? Let's talk about dystonia. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, dystonia. So unlike tremor, dystonia is a slow movement that's characterized by involuntary, sustained muscle contraction. This often happens with repetitive twisting movements or mm -hmm. abnormal postures. So in some instances, dystonic movement can be accompanied by tremor or rapid jerking movements. Mm -hmm. And this, you know, is one of those things that can also happen in the general population with something called torticollis, or you know, another name for that's wry neck, or task-specific forms like writer's cramp, if you think about kind of, you know, how, how that can show up in people. Maybe you might know something about torticollis or Rynek, because I sure don't. I, I know I've seen it before and heard it talked about as abnormal posture, but yeah. I mean, do you know what I'm talking about? When yeah, yeah, it's just uh, turns into kind of a muscular disorder at that point, more or less, if you want to put it that way. But that that's more the kind of the long term and that, you know, some of the therapies that a person can go through afterwards can help avoid some of that. Um, you know, when the muscles are held in one position for, for any length of time, 
they tend to stiffen up, tighten up, kind of like you've heard a foot drop, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, similar situation where those muscles just kind of, and tendons just kind of tighten up and you know, it's, it's hard to kind of get them free and mobile again. So first and foremost, post-traumatic dystonias, typically they don't resolve on, on their own. Mm -hmm. So if you're waiting for it to just go away on your own, it's not a great idea. You need to go to the doctor. Now, medical treatment, you know, usually doesn't work either with the exception of botulinum toxin or Botox injections, believe it or not. Uh, these are most effective for focal dystonia for the neck or hand, but just like a tremor, you have precise neurosurgical procedures involving ablation or stimulation of specific brain structures like that deep brain stimulation we've talked about. That's been done, but it's also had less effective outcomes. So uh, there, there's just not a lot there right now in terms of medical treatment for this, unfortunately. Let's talk a little bit about Parkinson's disease. You mentioned that that's one of those types of movement disorders you might uh, come across when dealing with TBI. Yeah, Parkinson's disease, it, you know, first thing I think about when I hear that, it's, it's not traumatic brain injury, but it is an example of a hypokinetic movement disorder that's characterized by what's called bradykinesia. That's defined as a slowness or poverty of movement. So you got bradykinesia, postural instability, and a resting tremor. There's often but not always a resting tremor in one or both hands. Uh, later, there's a progressive difficulty in standing, initiating steps, walking, handwriting, speech, and balance control over a matter of several years. And as the disease worsens, dementia may become prominent, leading to required assistant living or assistance with your living. So you're not saying that TBI always or even only causes Parkinson's, right? Right, nobody's, nobody's coming out and saying that. That's, that's definitely important. But, because the exact cause of this, it's not known. But evidence points to a common